Welcome back to Slumbling Podcast. This is your host, Gordon Van, and today we are talking with Steve Shearing of Shearing Speed Sports. Steve manages the uh, top snowcross uh, team uh, competing on the North American snowcross circuits in Canada and U.S., and uh, also runs a, a UTV racing team in the summertime, so Steve's quite busy. So uh, Steve talks to us uh, uh, today about a lot of things, uh, last year, uh, the pause, and uh, this coming year as, uh, as he uh, gets ready for the first race in January. So here's Steve, but first, here's a word from uh, CKX in uh, the new Mission Helmet. Hi, I'm Randy Ferguson, and I want to present to you the all-new Mission Snowmobile Helmet by CKX. This helmet is equipped with AMS technology and it redefines the trail riding experience. The Mission Helmet is the result of three years of R&D, dozens of prototypes, and ultimately three patents. The Mission is the first helmet equipped with AMS technology that helps to efficiently remove moist exhaled air, thus significantly reducing the risk of fogging, accumulation of frost, and condensation. The snowmobiler therefore benefits from a drier and cleaner inner space, resulting in unparalleled comfort. The CKX Mission Helmet is available in several graphic designs, in a carbon fiber version and with the electric shield option. To learn more about how the AMS works, go to ckxgear.com. Thank you and happy trails. Steve Shearing. Um, so Steve, how you doing? Well, I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you having me on your program. So I, I guess uh, we'll, we'll start off with uh, how your how your year went last year. We we were cut short. Um, all all the race series were cut short. Um, but you were making a run for the championship. Um, so how did the how did the season end up uh, with uh, with your riders last year? Well, we were down in Grand Rapids and I for sure could have used one or two more races. We were sitting third in the pro championship and we were four points out of the lead in the pro light championship after getting taken out at the race in New York. So we were ready for some redemption. It was about 20 minutes before Hunter was going to go on the track and all of a sudden Carl from Isaac called a meeting and he said, we just got a call from the governor of Michigan and they said, shut her down. Oh, dang it, I wish you would have let that go to voicemail. So, <laughs> you know, at, at that point, we were wondering, like, okay, well, maybe Lake Geneva will still happen the following weekend because with, at that point, Wisconsin hadn't put on any restrictions. But by the time we got home on Monday, the wheels had fallen off in Wisconsin. And, you know, at that point, we knew it was um, a period at the end of the season. So it, it, we have some unfinished business. I'm not going to lie. And, uh, you know, it's like, I totally understand that was beyond our control and there was nothing we could do, but it was still a dagger. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you, you guys were making a run. You, if it wasn't for a couple of, uh, of unlucky races, uh, you had phenomenal results. Uh, you know, I, I, I texted you and messaged you a few times after the races, you know, like you guys dominated, uh, you know, a, a lot of the races last year. So it was kind of a setback, uh, you know, that they had to end the season. Uh, but, uh, all, all in all, I mean, yeah, it, it puts fire back in you for this year, I guess. <laughs> exactly. You know, and the, and the tricky part was, you know, wondering, okay, what is going to happen from basically March through now? You know, we had the UTV racing. We were able to have a, you know, successful season. They were pulling all the races off with that. And now fast forward into the snow cross. I guess the, the, the things that freaked me out the most was when it was first announced that Spirit Mountain wasn't going to happen because of their financial issues. And then we talked about, um, you know, not starting the season until after Christmas. Well, I'm thinking that's the kiss of death for my climb compound because normally the two to three weeks before Spirit Mountain was when every top pro and junior and sport driver in the world come here to practice for the first couple of races. And, you know, it's, I got 50 grand sitting in that snow out there every year and then it melts in the spring. So I try to, you know, bring people in, help offset my costs a little bit. You know, my goal is hopefully just to even break even so I can help kids out. But, you know, I think I'm not going to get any business, but fortunately, you know, we provided a whole bunch of uh, COVID protocols and everybody was great about supporting us and coming up and, 
uh, we've been open for five or six weeks now and just had a phenomenal turnout every day. And you know what? Everybody wants to go racing and people want to get out of the house. And yeah. all these kids that are, I call them kids, all the guys that are racing are having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's uh, so you, you've had, you've had a, a good response uh, with your, with your track. I know, I know, you know like you said, uh, even even the Canadians in previous years would uh, would come up there early uh, before Spirit Mountain, and, and that was a setback. Uh, I love going to Spirit Mountain every year uh, to that race. It uh, it it really you know kicks off the year. You know uh, you know Thanksgiving weekend for for the Americans, and uh, yeah, it's it's a blast. But uh, hopefully that race will come back. I like uh, that that race really did start the uh, the Ice Sox series. It you know and it did, and it's like. Um it just kind of extended the, the true race season. Like I say, we've been practicing for five or six weeks now and I'm ready to go racing. My guys are ready to go racing. And, you know, with the stock based race snowmobile, it's not like you can reinvent the wheel on it. You can only polish it so many times and, yeah. you know, you're kind of running out of things to do. Let's go racing. Let's see where we sit. Um, you know, it's great for our Amsoil there, hometown race. You know, it's great for us. We're only an hour away, so we have a lot of fans. Um, I truly hope it comes back. Yeah. Do you foresee? Do you foresee it coming back? Uh, like they had financial problems with the ski ski resort themselves. I understand it's a it's a city owned resort. Could, do you do you see it coming back? Well, this is my opinion. It, it all depends who's on the city council and the city of Duluth. You know, and yeah. what their views are. I, I don't think. Any of them have really gone on a fact-finding mission, and to, to realize the economic boost that that race brings into the city of Duluth, you know, For just sure. our small track two weeks before Duluth brings in four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in you know motels and gas stations, hardware stores into our little area. The one in Duluth is pumping in about four or five million dollars to the hotels, the entertainment industry. You know, they have to look at that. It's yeah. not just oh, we might cost some money. And and I hope they they see the big picture because what a tradition that's been for I don't know twenty five thirty five years it just it's been like the whole element of it's like the rush to get ready for that race you're never quite ready but everybody's in the same boat and it's a lot of late nights a lot of early mornings but you know what at the end of the weekend everybody had fun down there yeah for sure yeah and the the, the city has to foresee you know the uh, the the past years I mean this, this year is going to be a, th- a throwaway but. Uh, um, they have to see the past years of, of the economic boost that uh, that that uh, town has seen from, um, I mean, it, it's, it, it's a global race. I mean, you have Europeans racing there. I'm sure you have a lot of spectator families. You have a lot of Canadians come to that race. So they have to see that uh, that benefit to, to that town for sure. And it's one of our, you know, trademark tradition races. You know, everybody says, we're going to Spirit Mountain this Thanksgiving weekend. You know, so that whole tradition kind of went aside this year and i and i get it with the covid and everything else yeah. but it's like it's hard any kind of racing you know to build up earmark races like that yeah oh yeah for sure it, it takes takes years to build a, to build a race in a in a community that a community that wants to go to an event a, a first race or a mid race or a festival like you know you can use Valcourt as an example uh that's a, that's a festival and uh people know it for that um, and, you know, unfortunately we lost that one this year too. Um, but to, yeah, it, it takes a lot of work to, uh, to, uh, you know, build a, a big race like that. And uh, like I say, I really hope Duluth comes back. Uh, I, I love coming down there every year. It's always the first race, first time to you see the sleds, first time to see all the race teams and, uh, you know, an opportunity to chat with you guys. So it's, uh, so let's, uh, let's hope, uh, they bring that back. If not, and if, and if they don't, then uh, hopefully the, uh, we get another event just like it. But uh, well, the good thing is, well, the good thing is you can still chat with us whether you come to the race. Yeah, so. <laughs> I've, ch- I've chatted too much over over uh, over Skype and uh, and the phone too much uh, this year. So I'm I'm real I'm I am just you know aching to to, to get out and uh, to see a race and uh, you know I, I I had I had I had to subscribe to all these uh, racing uh, streaming packages uh, you know the Supercross the Motocross the MotoGPs and and stuff this year and. Uh, um, you know, so I, I'm, you know, cause we couldn't see any race, any races. So I'm just looking forward to seeing a race in person. <laughs> so, Oh, but uh, I think everybody's thirsting for some real action. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, all right. Um, 
yeah, uh, we'll, and we'll talk to, uh, more about the, um, your, you know, the effects of, of what uh, what's this going to bring for for you this this year. Um, but um, so um, re recapping last year, um, the, the sled last year it, it looked pretty dominant um, over over the other uh, over the other brands. Um, you know, you, yeah, you had to be satisfied with what Skidoo gave you last year. Um, did, did did you have any problems uh, with it? And um, um, how comparison wise, how's uh, how's the new sled? You know, the new sled is pretty much at par with last year. One of the things that happened because of the COVID, the crew up at Valcourt never really had a lot of chances to do any R&D this spring because everybody was under lockdown. So a few refinements were made, but, you know, we couldn't really go the next step like they normally do every year. And yeah. now, you know, spending the last month, um, we've we've run it. it. It's a great vehicle. You know, what we're learning is um, – with a production-based race snowmobile, at one point, parts become consumables. It's just the way it is. And, and you have to accept that um, because those snowmobiles go through pure hell every time they go on the track. I mean, it's just, if you watch a snowcross race in person, if you ever get a chance to walk out on that track, you die to see how deep them holes are and how yeah. fast they're going. You know, so a testimony to not only the Skidoo, but the other manufacturers as well for building a vehicle that can withstand that for that long. And, you know, we've had a few minor issues, but I mean, it's about a 99.9 great sled right now. And the cool thing is, you know, they're working every day up there the best they can with the limits they have with COVID to continue to make that vehicle better. And, and the other manufacturers are stepping it up too. So there's going to be some great racing this year. There's going to be a dozen guys out there that can legitimately win any race. Yeah. So how, how's uh, you, you've obviously uh, uh, had the stopwatch on on your guys and uh, and other other race teams that have shown up to the to the Klim uh, uh, compound. Um, how, how are they looking uh, this year? Anybody? Any? Uh, let's, let's start with the other sleds. How are they looking? Well, for sure, the Polaris really picked it up this year, and they've spent about a month up here, and, and they're looking very impressive. I didn't get a lot of chances to watch the Articats. They have just been up for the last week and. With everything else I've got going on, I didn't really get to see. But they say they're they're better. Um, I didn't get to physically watch them, and obviously ours. You know, I think we've stepped them up just a little bit with a few refinements. So I think there's, like I say, I think there's about a dozen guys at par right now. That it's going to be like motocross or or whoever's hangs on the longest on the gas. He's going to be the one coming out the winner and. You know, the downside of hanging on that gas the longest is usually he's the first guy to fall off and crash. Too. So, <laughs> you know, that that's the balance. I mean, that's, you know, the success of this year's champion is going to be the guy that doesn't crash, doesn't break, and finishes all the races because it's yeah. going to be such parity, you know, and that's going to be the key. And the reason Ashul won the last couple of years, obviously he's a fantastic driver, but he finished every race, you know, had no DNFs. And that at the end of the day that adds up yeah yeah well he's he's changed himself he's uh he's become kind of a uh an erratic i, I mean it's a bad word but his first couple of years uh he was pretty you know quite the quite the erratic driver and you know having some crashes and stuff like that but last year he looked he looked like he really turned it around and uh and uh, uh you know had some great finishes you know some you know and uh and and you know he's you know good for him he he won the championship but uh it uh you know it should it should be a good year coming this year with everybody healthy everybody is healthy right everybody is uh is good down there as far as i know everybody down here is and everybody is in the u.s right now except for a couple of canadian drivers so there was some worried about you know the swedish drivers and being able to get across but i think everybody is in the united states right now and so we'll have a full field i think we're going to have 16 to 20 pros which is pretty damn good and i'm pretty sure the canadian guys will get across the border so we won't have any roadblocks from yeah covid you know as far as filling the field as of right now yeah but i think that the, the problem was getting across it was uh coming back i think uh with the you know having to isolate and stuff like that on the on the way back but uh i think if you were a professional uh you could you could come over and uh and do your profession kind of thing so um yeah let's let's hope that 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 works out okay um so your, your current race team this year who have you got 
So in the pro class, I've got Lincoln Lemieux coming back, who finished third last year. And despite an injury, he still ran at the front of the pack all the time. And the year before, it was him and Ishul going for a championship until his shoulders separated. So I have big expectations for him this year. I think he has the ability to run for the championship. I've got Hunter Patno, who was the past pro light champion, moved up to, to pro to make a splash, a big splash, hopefully. And, you know, his times are as fast as anybody out there. So I've got a, you know, two built two good bullets in that pro class. And then pro light, mm-hmm. I've brought on a, a young kid named Matt Lamori who ran sport last year, had a number of wins and podiums. He's fast, you know, he's, he's young. So he's going to take him a few years to understand the, the mental savvy part of it. And then I've got a younger kid, Nate Lavallee in the sport light, um, trying to, you know, get him through the ranks also. So I've got a strong team and, you know, everybody gels real well. And it's just a, it's a great environment and they feed off each other. And I truly believe at the end of the season, we'll be at the top somewhere. Yeah. It's kind of hard to believe uh, Lincoln being the veteran. Now I, I remember him when he was just a little kid, you know, kind of thing. And now he's the veteran of the team. Eh? <laughs> he's growing well, up well. crazy, you know, and it's like, you know, people always ask me, how do people get on your team? And a lot of it is like being in the right spot at the right time. You know, for the Lincoln story, Tim, we were racing out in New York. Robbie was already hurt. Tim broke his leg on Saturday night at the race. I need somebody for Sunday. And Lincoln was racing the regional in the morning out there and yeah. with his family. And I walked up to his motor home and you see him looking out the window at me going, I wonder what Steve Shearing is doing here. And I knocked on the door <laughs> and the dog started jumping on me and stuff. And I said, uh, how would you like to come race for us? He goes, I don't know. And his sister goes, you dumb shit. You better say yes right now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I go, I said, why don't you think about it a little bit? I said, I'll come back in five or 10 minutes and, uh, see what you think. You know, it came back. He goes, yeah, I'll give it a try. I said, okay, come on over. We'll get your handlebars adjusted. And, you know, kind of set up for the sled. Went out that day, qualified for the main. And it was an eye opener for him realizing the physical shape that the pros were in, in the ISOC series, you know, he, yeah. he struggled with that. We kept him for the rest of the year and uh, he made all the finals. You know, he, he didn't have the conditioning quite yet, but it would gave him some really great incentive to understand where he needed to be the next year. We brought him on board and, you know, both him and Hunter, just great kids. I mean, it's, it's so much more than on the track. Now it's what goes on off the track, you yeah. know, with sponsors and media and representing everybody, you know, and, I'm very proud of what those two guys do on that side of it. So there's huge value in that. You know, obviously we want to win races, but you know we have uh, we have a solid team. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, how, how many sleds do you have to prep in a year? Well, this year we prepped uh, twelve, I think. So yeah. four, at least twelve, maybe fourteen, I think. Um, each driver's got a couple of race sleds. Uh, practice sled and then somewhere in the line we have a display sled and another sled sitting in a crate something in case you know the wheels fall off something terrible in a crash so this year was with a later start it gave us a little better chance to prepare everything before the first race normally we're still preparing sleds after the first race you know for future races and um, the biggest thing that we see happening is is the sleds don't break or fail they just they get a little bit of fatigue that yeah. a normal guy couldn't really feel, but like you lose a little bit of that crispness. So about halfway through the season, we usually try to trade them out. You know, the rivets just get maybe just a hair loose or just, I mean, it's brutal out there. It's yeah. brutal. And yeah, they, so switching them over, it just gives us that crispness again. And um, when you're racing against the best of the world, I mean, you got to put everything on the table. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, so uh, are all your are all your sleds re- ready? Uh, and uh, I guess I guess what you said, uh, um, the, the other man, it, it, this late start really helps the other manufacturers because uh, a lot of people don't know these sleds come off the assembly line like late September, Octoberish kind of thing. Like they're the last sleds to be produced, um, and you know into the hands of the racers, and and they literally take them home, and you know they, they they're they're not to be seen for for weeks uh, prepping these sleds and getting them ready for a, a race like Duluth. But, uh, right. I know so, our uh, was a little bit slower coming off. So they, they kind of got behind the eight ball, but they, you know, the few teams that came up here in the pro drivers, 
Uh, they seem to have them working really well, and ours are 99% ready. You know, we kind of, on the second set of race sleds, we kind of, I don't want to say put that on the back burner, but we really focused a lot on testing and tuning what we had and taking advantage of that. And then when my guys come back from the Christmas break, we'll, you know, do the final details on the second set of race sleds. Yeah. What are you, what are you concentrating on? Uh, it, last year, it really benefited uh, the skidoos, um, you know, and, and probably anybody on the, off the start. I mean, getting through that first start and something and they were, and they were tight. Um, you guys working on the starts a lot. Boy, that start is so critical. That's yeah. 90% of the race, you know, two issues, one trying to pass everybody when everybody's so equal and then the roost, you know, it's just so hard to see if you're not in front and if it's cold, it's worse. If it's wet, it's terrible. So it's like, that is such a key element, you know, obviously the suspension. I mean, we work with Mike from Fox on a weekly basis, trying to improve our suspension package every time, because what we've seen happen, and it's hard to believe each year, every, all the pros are going just a little bit faster and a little mm -hmm. bit crazier, you know, because they all want to win. And, you know, all three manufacturers are pretty close that far on their, on their snowmobiles. So, so much more is put in the driver's hands. You know, we focus on that. The drivers focus on endurance. They want to make sure they can run all the races without tiring because at that point, it's just like losing horsepower if they get tired. So every day we're trying something, you know, and, and we're in such a small box that, that we can work on to try to change anything. It, it makes it even more dif difficult to, to, to see a gain. I mean, if we could, at the end of the day, see a half a ski gain, that's a huge gain for us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What so, so do you do you kind of uh, uh, segment uh, your, your your prep uh, uh, like your your performance prep uh, through through drag racing? Like, uh, do you do you drag race the sleds and and work on the clutching and the and uh, and the suspension for uh, the, the coupling and stuff like that? The tra the weight transfer for the for the starts. Do you do that? And then do you get into your suspension testing, like your your jumps and and uh, handling that ways? Like, do you, do you separate things? We do to a certain point. What we try to do is the days that the guys are running motos, we'll work on the suspension testing and on-track clutch testing on their recovery days where they're taking a day or two off from riding. That's when we'll work on the whole shot testing. So we'll take the whole shot package and the on-track package and try to meld them together because everything is a balancing act. You know, yeah. if you're going to gain a little more on a whole shot, you might lose something on a back shift or vice versa. So you try to find that happy medium and depending on what track you go to too also. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what kind of uh, training do, were the boys doing this year? I, I know Lincoln, uh, Lincoln's uh, he, he's, he's, he trains a lot. I'm not, I'm not too, too much uh, uh, know about uh, Hunter, but um, what kind of, uh, were they racing moto? Were they, uh, what, uh, what kind of prep were they doing for the year? Well, fortunately they live real close to each other. They're within an hour of living. So they train together. And basically, when our season ends, they'll take a week or two off um, and get right back in because they don't want to lose everything that they've built out. So obviously, cardio is a huge, huge deal. Their heart rate, their heart rate when they're racing is 170 to 190, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, so they got to maintain that pace for in the pro class 12 minutes at least. Um, that's you know strength training, and I watched the training evolve over the last 20 some years. And it's so much more specific training. You know, you don't have to be the strongest guy out there. You have to have the right muscles working the right way all the time and, and breathing, you know. So just like technology has changed, so has the training for snowcross racers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, coming coming into this year, um, if we've had a, a chance to look at the – the schedule um, this year, are, are you happy with it? Uh, uh, and uh, also uh, the, the tracks, are, are, you, are you pretty happy with the tracks uh, that you've been getting? Uh, do you want to, do you want to see any other improvements? Um, how, well, how are you looking at the, this coming season? The, the way I'm looking at it this season, and I told all my guys, I said, have your suitcase packed after New Year's Eve and plan on being the road till the end of March. I think yeah. I know where we're going, but I'm not hundred percent sure where we're going and just be ready. Um, you know, we're, it's a work in progress right now. I think, you know, a few races might get changed yet, depending on what governors say and what the president of the United States says. But I think 
ice hockey in general is doing a fantastic job of going above and beyond to make sure we have races. Last time we raced at ERX, that was a fantastic track. You know, and then the rest of them that are on the schedule have all been great. You know, obviously cold weather and snow can make or break a track. So that's a factor that none of us can control. But right now, we don't have a lot of snow in, in the States, but we do have cold weather coming. So we should be in really good shape there. Um, you know, I don't know if they're having crowds or not yet. That's going to be a factor. But the live streaming is just huge right now. Yeah, they they do have a fantastic live streaming. And thank, thankful for iStock for that, because I don't think it would survive if it wasn't for uh, the live streaming packages. And iStock's always had a fantastic uh, uh, live streaming. So, um uh, so so it, it's crazy. It, yeah, it's crazy the the cult that Snowcross has created. I mean, just in the Air Force alone, we have two hundred sixty thousand airmen that follow us. You know, that just really think it's nice. the coolest thing ever. You know, and we're like, well, I thought flying that F sixteen jet was pretty cool. He goes, nothing like Snowcross. That's the best. You know, it's, <laughs> it's amazing that it's it's created its own little cult. And yeah, uh, I'm very proud to be part of that. And they and they, they they started it long before the other uh, racing series, uh, the, the the car racing series or motorcycle racing series. They they it's been going for for several years now, and, and they've built it. So now it's a, it's a it's a well oiled uh, production now. Um, it's you know kudos to them. They did a fantastic job, and, and I, I love watching it when I'm not able to go to the races. Uh, you know I'm I'm glued to the live stream. So uh, that's that's good. So so you're not you're not sure if there uh, and ISOC hasn't um, uh, said so yet if there is going to be spectators. Um, it, can there be spectators at some events? And I'm not I'm not uh, you know up on the uh, on what uh, what states are good right now um, and, and what's uh, what are allowing spectators and what aren't. Can you shed some light on ones that uh, may have spectators? You know current status as of today. And, and ones well, that um, might be a treble? Well, I can. You know, Minnesota's got some pretty tight controls right now. So I would say the next week or two, you'll hear some kind of announcement about ERX either way. The Dakotas mm -hmm. are more relaxed. And, you know, take that a step further. When I was making motel reservations this year, most of the places were giving you kind of a reduced price because they're lacking tourism. But when I mm -hmm. called uh, Deadwood, South Dakota, that lady goes, honey, it's wide open out here. We're not giving you any breaks on motels this year. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I think the Dakotas will have spectators. I believe Iowa's good for right now. I think Michigan and the Canterbury race are going to be kind of a wait and see. And that's kind of where they got put, you know, towards the end. And uh, Lake Geneva, as of right now, could have spectators, I believe. So, I wish I knew all those answers right now. Yeah. So the first, the first race is at at, at ERX. Uh, um, is it worth it just pulling the plug on that one and moving it right away? Uh, and you know, so that so that there is uh, no surprises. Um, is do you I, know I don't if, think uh, so. I think yeah. I think we need to go racing, and I think that live stream provides such a a product and an asset for the sponsors and the teams. You know, you can only push it so so far. There's only so many winters weekends in the winter and you know right now we're looking at going on two on one off two on kind of deal through the season mm -hmm. had Bel had Belcourt stayed on we'd have been racing five weekends in a row and on the road and and that's that's tough you know it's like you got to keep the crew smiling you got to keep fuel in the trailer it it's tough when you're on the road that long um it's different than the summer when you have another truck bringing in new vehicles so it's time to go racing. Everybody wants to go racing. The fans want to watch us. The sponsors want yeah. to see something. You know, it's it's time to go racing for sure. So, so you are you are you are. It's it's not the, the problem of actually doing the event. It's the it's the the issue of of no spectators right now. But but as far as uh, ERX and stuff like that, you're allowed to hold races and 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 that's cool. As of right now, everything is a go at ERX. You know, things could change in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. Right now, I feel very positive about it. And then the second race is in Dubuque. I feel very positive about that. So it's going to happen. You know, I, yeah. I'm very confident. You know, about the only thing left to happen this year is for the aliens to land and abduct us. And then it should complete <laughs> 2020. So, but other than that, I, I, I feel very confident about it. Yeah. Well, when they announced the killer hornets were coming, I was really worried. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah that's damn good. But they went away. They, 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 yeah. We didn't hear too much of them after after that. But um, um, so oh, what was I gonna say? So um, uh, 
it's a, so uh, this this COVID thing, it, it, it's probably going to be a, a, a challenge for you. You, you your, your, your team does a lot of activation at the races with the Air Force and, and Milwaukee Tools. Um, how, how, how are you going to go about that? that because I'm, I'm sure it's going to have to be reduced or, or, or not at all. How, how are you going to handle uh, all that this year? Just so do it when you can. And... Challenges, yeah, yeah. So, so one of our biggest challenges that we're facing this year is normally we do up to 20 school visits with the U.S. Air Force prior to races. We go to the high schools. We bring the racers, the truck, the trailer, the sleds, the mechanics, you know, talk about technology, making good choices. And the Air Force has a recruiter doing a soft sell. I don't nice. think there's going to be a lot of schools that are going to let us in right now. So we're creating a virtual school visit. You know, we're obviously using social media technology and Zoom. Um, we, we plan on doing Facebook Lives with the computer, excuse me, with the recruiters prior to races, try to create, you know, some activity and some excitement for the Air Force and the race before the, uh, the actual race happens. When we get to the Dakota, Dakotas, there's a good chance we can go to some school visits, but we've been very proactive about this for the last three months, you know, seeing the writing on the walls, like it's not going to, you know, we're going to sit out in the parking lot and, and there's not going to be anybody in school, but a camera filming us. So we're, we're trying to find alternative. There's, there's nothing as good as, you know, being on site, being in person, interacting with students. And I mean, they just love talking to the team and the drivers and, you know, being inside of a race transporter, a million dollar rig. And yeah, you know, you can see at night on their, on their social media postings, like this was the coolest day ever at school. So, so that's been um, a lot of extra work because of the COVID, but everybody has to face that extra work right now. So I understand it's just part of the deal. Um, you know, we didn't do any uh, air shows this summer with the, because of the COVID the Thunderbirds were shut down for the course of this summer so hopefully all that stuff will go back on track next summer yeah for sure oh yeah uh, well with the with a vaccine coming uh that that's something that we can we can look forward to anyway let's uh, let's hope that uh, next year's totally different and and we're back we're back to normal as we or we're best best we could anyway um you're, you're talking about going to the schools i noticed uh, uh recently you you just uh, did a uh uh it's probably different than your activation but you did uh uh, some Christmas gifts for uh, for public schools. Uh, what was that about? That looked that looked pretty neat. It was the coolest deal ever. So my wife is in charge of what's called Project Alpha. Basically, she works at the school, and they solicit donations to make sure that every kid that normally doesn't get a Christmas present gets one. And the town kicked in thirteen or sixteen thousand dollars to help all these kids. They took care of uh, eighty some kids and. I went with them and we picked up all the gifts. The stores gave us discounts and she handed them out so that, um, you know, Christmas is a pretty cool time of year and a lot of kids aren't fortunate and they wanted to make sure that everybody had something. And then the next day we went and picked up a lot of meals from the churches that will also provide a Christmas meal for these families that normally don't have it. So it's really cool giving back. I mean, it's, it just, yeah. I mean, it breaks your heart when you see some of these situations and, you know, I'm just a pin in the haystack on helping, but every little bit helps. Well, that's great, uh, Steve. Thanks for doing that. That's great. I mean, with you know, we, we hear about all the families. Uh, you know, they're they've 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 lost jobs this year and and stuff like that. So you know, they're not getting Christmas gifts, and and all they really care about is uh, getting gifts for their kids and make sure that their kids are happy. So you know, grad, congratulations on that. That's that's cool. That's just like you though well, to, to do something like that. <laughs> so. Well, thanks. But, you know, uh, and I got to give my hats off to my wife for organizing, but I wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, it, it was a team effort. There was a whole crew of um, workers from the school, and it's going to make a difference to some kids. And, and yeah. that's what's important in life right now. Yeah, for sure. All right. We can talk some more, some more racing here. So, um, I, we, we've seen lately, and, 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 you, and you mentioned that uh, Belcourt has been uh, canceled this year. And, um, um, Good, good work on the uh, on the uh, the, uh, the the XC uh, the cross country course uh, guys uh, core racing they're they're moving their races around they're they're I mean and we all know that you know to to start a race to put a schedule out and then to have to redo it that is that's that's incredible hard work to do that so um, those guys are you know it looks you know they're they're going to get it pulled off they're moving their races more around kind of thing out of the 
the, the problem states. And, um, you know, we lost the Sioux 500, uh, the, the Borgeur, um, you know, we've, we've lost that this year. Steve, you, you've been around oval racing and, and snowcross. Do, do, do you see that the, if there's maybe going to be uh, problems bringing racers back after after something like this? Because ovals were kind of uh, um, their their classes were kind of declining. Do you, do, you, do you see ovals maybe suffering a little bit uh, more than others uh, for this? Or? Well, I, I see the problem this year is you know half the oval racers are from Canada and half are from the yeah. United States, so that created a full field. Now, now you're not going to have that. That's going to be a challenge, you know, filling the field because of that uh, border crossing. I think the racers will come. I guess it's the sponsors. That's the scary part. You know, if one walks away because they're not having a series, do they come back? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, and it's changing times in the sponsorship world with, you know, the, the digital media, the social media, and there's just so much more than there was 20 years ago with, you know, through grit you know let's go racing let's go win races now it's there's so much more to that so it's hard once something goes away to bring it back i've learned so i yeah. hope that everybody sits together on that side of it i love oval racing you know i come from a background we've raced snowcross at eagle river for the last 10 years just go there and you know not only myself but steve thorson past world champion who's been on our team i mean we love watching that oval racing and the technology because yeah, those yeah for sure bruised out there so yeah. hopefully it will. I mean, Beaux-Azur is a great race. Valcourt's a great oval race. I crashed at both of them when I was racing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hard. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it's the funny part about it is it's like the snowcross racers go, those oval guys are crazy. And the oval guys go, those snowcross guys are crazy. So, you know, everything goes into perspective at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned, uh, I mean, I think, as, as far as I can tell, there's there's going to be no oval racing at all in uh, in Canada this year because Eganville, which was the w- one of the last uh, pro oval races, uh, they they canceled their race this week to, this week too. So uh, uh, as far as I can see, there isn't going to be any uh, oval racing in uh, in uh, in Canada at least on the pro level anyway. So um, so that's kind of that's kind that kind of sucks because you know like I said, you and I and, and a lot of others like you know Tim Benders, uh, you know the Hools. They all came up, yep. uh, you know, you know, racing ovals, and now we're involved in, in snowcross. Um, so, Steve, uh, how, how, do, how does how does one like a, a team like yourself hold on to the the, the high profile sponsors like 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 you have? Um, you got Air Force and uh, Amsoil and Milwaukee Tools, and it like like you mentioned with the digital era, it, you know, there there's there's other alternatives, obviously for for these companies. But how does how does the race team and uh, a series hold on to sponsorship like these guys, these high, these big sponsors that they do have now. Bottom line, you work your ass off. There, there's no substitute for hard work. You know, yeah. obviously, I have a lot of secrets that I don't want to share, but I don't see a lot of other teams out there put in the effort that I do day in, day out, all summer, all winter, to make sure that I over deliver. And you know, you got to create relationships and and build on those relationships. Um, it sponsorship is one of the hardest things about racing. Um, and in our sport, the, the other challenges, you know, there's, there's not a big enough return for one sponsor to fund a whole team, you know, it'd yeah. be foolish for them to do it. So you, you have to put a whole bunch of balls up in the air and make it work for everybody. And, and I've been very successful at that, but the, the flip side of that, then everybody piggybacks off each other. So, you know, picture of a skidoo snowmobile on the front cover of an Air Force recruiter magazine that goes out to 300,000 people in a year is a cool deal. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know. It's, go watch Tommy Boy one time and then see what he does. It just, it, it's hard. It's hard. And people are changing and rules are changing. And, you know, that is the scariest part about racing is, you know, maintaining, keeping sponsors, getting sponsors. And because it's, it's expensive. Yeah. yeah, you remember the, the Air Force? How, how does? I mean, they're 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 different than than, than racing. You know, we, we have seen them involved in in, uh, in auto racing and stuff like that. But uh, how how would you make a connection uh, with, with the Air Force? Um, did you know somebody there, or uh, did you just plug away for many years until you know they agreed to come on board? How does uh, how, how does one get uh, a sponsor like the Air Force? 
well, we were fortunate enough to, you know, we started off with a local recruiter and, uh, um, you know, gave them some exposure and, and they liked what they were seeing. And we did it at a local level. I don't say local level, but a, a regional level for a few years. And, you know, it, it trickled its way down to Air Force corporate and, and they saw the demographics. They saw the excitement. They saw the correlation with you know, truck drivers, mechanics, pilots, if you call the snowcross racers. So it was a perfect fit for them. You know, the age demographics, what they're looking for. And the Midwest is, is, is a strong recruiting area because these are the kids that, you know, had their own truck for $500 and they had to fix it themselves. And, you know, hands-on kind of guys like that, you know, so it's a strong area for them to recruit from for all the positions that the air force has. So it ended up being, you know, knock on wood, a match made in heaven. And we've probably gone through 12 generals that, you know, I've become personal friends with. We have about five that have retired over the last few years. And last year, them and their wife still come to races and other Air Force people that have retired and moved out of marketing. They still come to Deadwood. They make that an annual race. They come to New York. So it, it's cool to see the the friendships you can, you can create also because, I mean, everybody at the Air Force is just fantastic people in general. And so and they're so appreciative of what you do. Um, is there a magic pill? I wish there wasn't. I wish I could find yeah. out what it was. Your your racers must love it too. You know, you know. I guess they get opportunities to to go up with the Thunderbirds and stuff like that. That I mean, that must be the highlight of their racing careers is doing something like that. <laughs> well, for sure. I mean, last summer Hunter went up with the Thunderbirds down in southern Minnesota. Uh, three years ago, Lincoln and then Tim was racing us at the time. They did T38s down in San Antonio. About 10 years ago, I got to go to Florida and fly in an F-16 for an hour and a half. So I'm like, you know, you make top five things in life you want to do. Yeah. You know, obviously, that was one of the top two, probably. <laughs> so, you know, what a cool deal. And we've, you know, we go down to San Antonio. We've experienced basic training graduations, which they have every Friday. Uh, we worked with special forces down there, watch them train, watch loaders on loaders, load cargo planes just the whole environment is, is so enriching. Yeah. Yeah. It's a totally different game. So, uh, well, that's, that, that's great. I think, uh, you know, we can, we can kind of wrap things up, uh, but uh, I do want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to tell us who, who, who you got for all, all your sponsors this year. And uh, let's, let, let's also not leave out um, your team members too. Uh, you, you must have a huge team back at, you know, working the track and also working back at the shop. Um, do, do you know these guys? You got a good list uh, in front of you there, and uh, let's uh, let's give these guys some some credit for uh, for for a fantastic team. And uh, you know, well, actually, I've got it up in my mental hard drive up in my head. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's helping you. I mean, very fortunate. I mean, we've been with Amzo for 23 years now. You know, it's like not only do they sponsor us, but they're the title sponsor of the series. You know, and it's like those are the kind of companies that the, the world of snowmobiling needs to support because they're allowing this sport to happen. We've yeah. been with the air force for 21 years. Uh, in my whole career, I've been with Skidoo 36 years, 12 steady in the last four trucks. We've been with them for eight years, Milwaukee tools, eight years, Klein clothing's going on eight years, action graphics, 20 years, Goodwin performance who, you know, Greg Goodwin. Yeah. 23 yeah. years. I've been with us since day one. Woody's 37 years. They were my sponsor when I was racing. Um, Fox Shocks, five years. CNA Pro Skis, 23 years. Rocks. We were the first ones that met with uh, Rocky Cutsport at the time to um, develop products. You know, handguards. Everybody thought handguards were the dumbest thing ever. And now you can't run without them. Um, Jeff Foster Trucking has been with us for 23 years. Game Data Sports, another eight years. So, and you talk about team size, you know, we run a tighter ship here. Um, mm-hmm. Steve and Allie, Steve Thoris and Allie Burns are my two key guys. You know, they build the sleds, they design them. Elliot will actually go out and test them. So I have uh, the nucleus of them two. Myself, I take care of the data, the programming, the clutches, mopping the floor, driving the truck, cleaning the <laughs> toilet, um, logistics, payroll, bill paying, snowmaking, grooming the track. You know, so my plate is full every day too, but I love working hard. And then I have 
you know, Tony Clement, he comes on weekends with us and Eddie. So we have some weekend help when it's at the track, when it's a little more intense and we've got a great crew. And I mean, I don't want to get the crew too big because then you start getting personality issues and I'd rather have smart guys and fewer guys. And then we have a whole another crew for making snow that, that are dedicated, you know, and committed to working at nights when it's the worst time to be out. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very fortunate, you know, that I have this whole field of, of, of support system. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, and in addition to this, to this actual crew, you know, we have engineers from Skidoo and we have engineers from Fox and, and all of our support will, will provide additional support at the tracks. This year's going to be a little harder with Skidoo not crossing the border. So there is a lot of pieces of the puzzle that put this puzzle together. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you got a good, you got a good smart team there too. Uh, you know, um, you can t- you can tell Steve Thorson there. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna he's he's gonna be one of my next guys. Uh, I got to give up because that, that guy's got some history behind him too. So you can you can well, warn I, him that I'm yeah. uh, you can you can warn him I'm gonna be calling him up pretty soon. So <laughs> he's the funniest guy. I mean, he is one of the smartest guys I've seen in this industry and. Excuse me. He does not want to talk on a camera. He goes, "That's for the kids." He goes, "I had my time." Yeah, and yeah. You know, the the history that he had, and oh, for sure, you know, the stories that they tell is just like, obviously, racing's at a you know a different level from from where it was twenty or thirty years ago. It seemed like back then we almost threw in a little more extra fun than we do now. But you know what I'm saying? Now it's like everybody's all in. Yeah, but we got to we got to hear these stories, uh, these 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 old stories uh, of Steve Thorson and all these guys. You know, we we lost a legend uh, this week uh, with uh, Bob Eastman, and and uh, I had an opportunity to talk to talk to him, and and uh, the stories these guys tell from their era, and, and the stories these days, um, it's hard work, uh, but it's it's totally it's totally different. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I love hearing about the old stories because you know we kind of see you know what's in front of us now. But uh, what these guys went through in uh, in the uh, in the 70s and 80s, and uh, you know, in, in, you know, when you started your career too, you know, we got to know all that mm-hmm. stuff, uh, you know. So yeah, but uh, you know, and, and what's interesting now is is that one of the challenges that I see in, in racing in general is finding entry level mechanics. I mean, there's a lot of teams looking for help right now, and it, it's hard to find young kids that are willing to commit that yeah. that amount yeah. of time that travel and and that dedication i mean there's still a few out there don't get me wrong and i'm fortunate for who i have but that that is one of the battle cries i see in in all forms of racing mm-hmm. well i mean me- mechanics from from yesterday and, and and today i mean that's it's a different it's a whole different uh uh theory you know it's it's uh it's electronics it's uh it's high tech suspension it's uh smart suspension it's it's you know it's it's everything like look at the design of the sleds now you know for, for the, the ability to you know to throw over and the you know the angles and and you know the the geometries and stuff like that it's it's different it's it's just so different from from yesterday and, and these, these mechanics now i gotta know that kind of stuff so that and the technology it's like you know i take care of the programming and the data and it's a constant evolving of learning that data and Nobody's hands smell like gas anymore from changing jets. Everything's yeah. done through yeah. a computer. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, so what's ha- what's happening at the the Clem compound compound today? Have you got a, a lot of racers there uh, coming in this weekend to uh, for for testing? Well, actually, as part as part of our uh, COVID protocols with the city, we are shut down from today through Christmas, and then we'll reopen right after Christmas. Oh, okay. We've been open for uh, six weeks straight now. And yeah. I don't mind having a, a break a little bit from grooming the track every morning too. Well, but sure. so right now we're down until after Christmas, just kind of give everybody a reset. And, you know, as part of our package, we put together with the city and the COVID community about working together and they've been, they've been fantastic about working with us and making sure, you know, it was a lot of extra work, you know, putting plexiglass on things, distancing everybody, yeah, putting yeah. up additional signs, hand sanitizer in the bathroom. So everything all the teams did a fantastic job of not abusing them rules and that allowed this to you know the climb compound to stay open and now we're just taking a little rest for for christmas and then my guess is around the 28th 29th the third i can't remember what day we're reopening she'll be rocking again here because then the first race is only a week away yeah well thanks to your council for uh 
for being cooperative. I mean, it, it's it's tough for them. They have to abide by the rules, but it's also nice to be a little bit flexible and uh, the, the companies and organizations that are that are responsible and trying hard to to, you know, to, you know, go on with their with their business. Uh, that, that's important, too. So uh, um, Steve, it is, I, and, I, and the hardest part. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I was done. I was done. Go ahead. You know, and, and the toughest part for the guys that come up here is, you know, finding places to go eat because the restaurants are closed. You know, they have to, you know, create meals or there's restaurants that do takeout, but they can't go in the restaurant and have breakfast normally like they used to. So that that's been one challenge that they've had to all overcome, which obviously they've done. But um, I, I sure hope things open up again. Yeah, for sure. Well, we we need to we need to have a big festival or something. You know, when th- when things open up, we need to we need to have one hell of a party and uh, <laughs> whether it's at a race well, or something. Well, that's what I'm thinking or... of doing. I'm thinking of having <laughs> Journey and Kiss play here at our shop sometime in July. So if you want to come down, yeah. come on down. Oh, sure. If they, oh, oh, hell yeah. If if, if if they're there, I'll be all there for sure. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Steve, I I really I really appreciate talking to you. It's uh, I love talking to you. You know, you got lots and lots to say and uh, lots of good things to talk about um i i just i just hope to heck that i'm uh, able to come down and uh, and see a couple races this year uh you know i, I know and I'm, I'm gonna miss i'm gonna miss not having you up in valcourt this year for sure so um exactly but, uh, yeah maybe you know what as the season rolls through if you're not able to come through put me on a podcast again and i'll give you updates yeah. what's going on in the world of racing. yeah it's not, uh, yo, yo, that, that's a deal we'll, we'll we'll do that we'll do that for sure but um um yeah thanks thanks a lot for uh for uh, for talking to us and i uh, say uh uh, good luck this year. Um, stay stay healthy. I hope your your racers all stay healthy and um, and uh, you know let's let's try let's try to win that championship this year. That's our goal. So I sure appreciate having me on again. No problem, Steve. You take care. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye.